Hey, Hytham, welcome, man. Welcome kind of back to, it's it's my show, but I feel like it's yours, right? Uh, you were instrumental in the renaming and rebranding of uh, of the conversation, and I, and I don't want to let that go um, without, because it's part of what you do, so... Uh, well, well, it's my pleasure. You know, I mean, as long as I get the royalty rights to it and I get some kind of profit on it, then I'm, I'm happy. For sure. Yeah. Five, 10 years from now, you know, when I've got, uh, you know, the millions and millions of viewers of uh, like Joe Rogan or uh, what's my man's name, the, uh, Dak Shepard or, you know, these other guys. Right. Then uh, I'll be sure to send you a couple bucks for sure, man. That's you know what? I'll be happy with that. You know what I mean? Small, small credit in the, in the small claim in the credits. <laughs> so so bold bold media marketing right that's the i have the name right yes bold media marketing that is correct and you know obviously we've we've talked before here we've talked before online but there's there's never enough i feel like to talk about in the world of technology advertising things like that so um you know I, I couldn't wait to have you back. We've had some issues scheduling around the holidays and personal and, and then technology problems. And um, so here we are. Um, hey, what's new? Anything going on in the world today? Anything uh, <laughs> tech related that's changed? I, you know, obviously lots in the news, but, um, you know, start us off, man. Well, yeah, I mean, so, so, I mean, as far as I've been, I'm concerned, we've been extremely busy. I mean, the business sector that, that we've been dealing with has really gone gung-ho about building themselves. So we've seen a lot of new attention from not only new players, but people who are already in the game that want to get into the advertising field. People who weren't spending money before are now spending new money. Um, I think people, people are, are more adventurous uh, in how they're acquiring their clients rather than where they were before, where they were kind of playing it safe. Um, in, in the tech world, I mean, there's some big new things that are coming out. Um, the, the main of which has been in the news recently. And, and I know we said we weren't going to get into the whole politics of it, but it is political related. Um, but uh, big tech, big tech um, is, is throwing the hammer down in, in banning accounts that they feel are not worthy now this is this is relatively new because i mean in the past you never really saw action like this um so so it's a game changer i think for many businesses because now there is a plethora of platforms that businesses uh can go on online um with all of the new um new platforms that are rising so it makes it makes difficult decisions for a business where to invest their money. So there's a lot of stuff happening right now. Yeah, well, that's that's right. I, obviously, we can let other people argue about the freedom of speech and uh, is it being censored and all this other stuff and who gets censored and who doesn't. But it still impacts any business, right? Because at the end of the day, businesses. And, and small business, big business, it doesn't matter if you're the size of Nike or Amazon or if you're the size of me and my real estate company or you and your, you know, advertising company. We all have uh, a target, you know, group that we're trying to get to. And in the grand scheme of things, me, for example, of course, it's anyone looking to buy and sell. But really, I'm not a perfect match for anybody looking to buy and sell, you know. I'm not really a specialist when it comes to um, a big development where you're going, you're trying to buy, you know, uh, acreage, acreage of land, and you're going to build out 20 lots and, and stuff like that. Could I be a part of that? Because I understand how to market properties and stuff. Sure. But you're really going to be the expert, you know, the, on, on the purchase of it, not me. And, and that's part of what I do. So everybody isn't really my demographic or my target audience. So I want to be able to, you know, go to a certain group um, without discriminating against others. And, you know, to your point, the way some of these things are changing, who's on the platform anymore? Um, are people leaving? Are people shutting it down is huge. And, you know, unfortunately you get stuck having to, uh, try and understand and figure that stuff out right <laughs> well yeah well i mean at the end of the day so i mean when we look at when we look at the fracture right because if you, if you go back you go back 20 years right you know um into the, the the start of digital advertising all right you had you had your main player which was google ads right nobody really was doing it other than google ads there was the bing ads and stuff like that uh 
but but the main player was Google Ads. So almost all businesses knew that if you wanted to get advertising on search engines or on websites, okay, that you would go through Google. Then Facebook launched their advertising platform. And then it became, well, it's either Facebook or Google. Those are the two main choices, right? Now, again, I'm not saying those are the only, but they're the main ones. Yeah. All right. Now, yeah, yeah. But now you look at it and there's Google, there's Facebook, there's LinkedIn, there's Twitter, there's Nextdoor. Now you got Parler, you got YouTube, you got so many different platforms that you can advertise. And for businesses that have a limited budget, like you said, Nike and Reebok and Adidas can go on any of these platforms and advertise on all of the platforms at the same time. But for your small mom and pop shop that wants to look at advertising spend, and many of these platforms do have a minimum advertising amount, which is in the, in the, in the space of $300 or so mm-hmm. per month. Mm-hmm. So if you have a small budget of $300 to $600, you can only pick one or two platforms to go on. So it makes it makes business gambling kind of those choices a lot more difficult. So, you know, and I know you're not technically an IT guy, but you're involved in the space because of what you do. And, and I see, you know, some of the things you post and you're definitely about security. How does one go about understanding some of the security? So, for example, maybe I'm trying to push a, a product that arguably is for a younger generation. And I think TikTok's a great place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, on the flip side of that, there's a lot of discussion around security, around TikTok, and it's not an American company. You know, what happens to the information? You know, like, at what point do you maybe kind of step in or how do you advise someone to say, well, here's what you're up against. You know, if you use this platform, you have this. If you use this platform, you have that. Um, is that part of your expertise or is it your space mainly to just help somebody understand the best way to advertise on the platform they think is best for them? Well, I mean, as, as a professional, I try to assess every situation and every platform with an objective look at it. Um, and, and in some cases, that does cause us to look at the security of the platform. So, for example, you said TikTok. I resisted TikTok for a very long time because of its security concerns. Um, I also resist Parler because, again, it's security concerns. It, there, there are some security holes in the construction of the app itself. And, and this is beyond uh, whether it's a good app or a bad app. It's just the construction of it and the security and the personal information that it stores. There's some big concerns about that. Um, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that any platform that you're on, there is a security risk. I mean, look at Facebook and the Cambridge incident uh, many years ago. Um, Facebook has been hacked. Many of the applications have been hacked. Chase got hacked uh, back in 2016. It was a major hack. Um, so any platform that you have personal information on is susceptible to that. Um, I think the big concern with TikTok was that it was not just your user registration, but it was gathering information and mining information off of your phone from your pastebin um, and your other applications. And it was housing all of that information in China. And the concern in China is that the government has access to basically any information that's stored uh, that has connection with them. So that on top of their, their human rights issues with the DNA collection. So it, it's, it's causing a lot of concerns for people. I think at the end of the day, people have to weigh the cost of, of what the risk is versus what the value is. Like we said earlier, um, it's, it's definitely, I think, the, one of the most entertaining apps right now. There's a lot that people uh, can learn on there. There's a lot people can see on there. Um, so it's something that people have to gauge. But the potential for commercial gain on there is huge. Uh, you can, with any app, and, and we'll say this in general terms, with any app, as you see the rise of the app and the rise of the user base, it's much easier to gain a large following in the beginning of the app life cycle than it is at the end. Because once it converts to a revenue-based membership growth scheme, then you're going to be forced to pay a lot of money to gather those same users that if you jump on there early and get it. That's why you see many TikTok people who may have a couple hundred followers on Instagram or Facebook have hundreds of thousands of followers on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
because their content was spread throughout the algorithm to encourage growth. Once there is enough growth, it flips over to a revenue-based system, and now you have to pay to get that same kind of exposure. So there is some benefit to jumping on these apps really early on and building a quick following, um, but you do put yourself at risk. Well, and it's funny because when I see, um, I'll use Parler as the example. Um, some people wanted to jump on there because they believed that they would have more freedom of speech and, um, you know, they could share the views that they wanted to share and things along those lines and that everything was going to be okay because, um, they don't use your information for anything the way Facebook or somebody does. But I always just think, you know, I don't, how are, how is it going to be in the future? So that might be the case today. You know, and let's just, for the sake of argument, let's assume that's exactly accurate. Um, no information is being stored or used to any benefit of the company or any of the third parties or anything like that. Let's just assume that's accurate. Or you and I are creating an app, but we don't even have to use Parler anymore. So you and I are creating an app. This is our pitch to the people. But in five years, when we have millions of subscribers and we're trying to figure out how to monetize more something has to give. And at some point, likely, you might think about selling to somebody or something along those lines. And at some point, that information is going to be released. So I just look at it and think, if you're doing it for those reasons, or if you believe that, you know, your information is not going to be used, understand it probably isn't going to be used today. Just like when you signed up for Facebook, when you had to have a .edu account, it wasn't used either, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's just the way it goes. Not many apps and especially social apps are being started saying, our goal is to grow a network of people so we can sell your information. <laughs> that's never been a pitch. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's a funny aspect to me. Um, while I'm all in favor of, in fact, I use uh, Signal um, for text messaging with people that are on it um, mm -hmm. because it has a little bit more security. And right now, that's the case. But, you know, the guy who started it used to work for Google or somewhere. And maybe one day he gets mad with his own company and decides to leave and things change there. I mean, you know, my assumption is things will change. And I think that a lot of people's well, assumptions that it won't. <laughs> hey, well, things always change, right? I mean, the, the key word, and to go along with what you're saying, is yet. You know what I mean? They're not selling my information yet. Because it is inevitable. Most of these, most of these platforms, if you do not have a paid membership model they need to have money okay and they can they can provide that money in a number of ways and the main way is through advertising okay so when you have people that are advertising on your platform people don't want to blindly advertise okay if you tell people hey we don't have any personal information on our members but we have just 2000 faceless people do you want to advertise to that everybody's going to be like, no, why would I? I don't know who they are and I don't know if that's my ideal client. But if you come back to them and say, hey, I have 2,000 people in their mid-20s that are interested in cars. Do you want to advertise cars to them? Then it gives people more and more power in their advertising dollars. So to go with what you said, um, if, you aren't, if you aren't buying a product, you are the product. There is no such thing as free because at the end of the day, there's a cost to the servers. There's a cost to the developers. There's a cost to the support. So where is all the money coming from to pay all of these fees? That money is typically coming from either investors who are expecting a return in the future. And that return is going to come from advertisers who are going to pay the company money to get access to the user information. So every, every site has that same life cycle. To go with what you were saying about Signal, that was the same thing with WhatsApp. WhatsApp was kind of the, the golden application because it was a very secure application with no outside interference uh, and it was encrypted. Well, what happened? Facebook bought it. Now, all of a sudden, all that information that was encrypted is now accessible by Facebook. So it's one of those things where inevitably nothing is going to stay perfect forever. Yeah. And, you know, that's an interesting, um, this is where I think we're at an interesting time where information is, seems to be so important um, to all the companies that you're seeing. I mean, Facebook has bought Oculus for virtual reality. They've bought 
you know, they're, they're involved in genetics uh, companies. They're involved in uh, obviously anything social. They're involved in video. They're involved, you know, and there's a lot of discussion, rumors, what have you about, you know, maybe they're going to one day have their own, you know, TV, like Apple TV and things like that. Maybe they'll have their own, um, you know, shows the way Netflix and Amazon have their own shows. And, and I think that there are some things that are exclusive to Facebook, but I'm talking about big, big, you know, budget style things. So we're at a weird time because I just don't think that, you know, 40 years ago, uh, a company that was involved in one space wanted to really get, you know, involved in another space. And yet, I would argue even like a company like Tesla, the reason that they've grown so much is they're more than a car company. They're a battery company. They're a solar energy company. They have the ability to go to space. They have, you know, all these things really fall within, you know, their guidelines because, you know, they can do whatever they kind of want to do, you know? And, and so it's a weird, it's a weird time. I feel like. I mean, I, I, I agree and disagree with you in a certain respect. I think I think companies uh, companies 40 years ago were were seeing the benefits of diversification. I mean, you see many many of the the healthcare uh, companies, for example, that they, they, they split off and they started to offer different lines of products um, and and get into different things. But I mean, Facebook recognizes that that it's not going to be the main social app forever. People are going to get bored with it. So that's why it's it's trying to transition to handle these other areas because it knows that if it focuses solely on on its on its personal connections, that it's not going to survive, especially as big as it is. Because mm-hmm. there's been a huge push specifically with Facebook to get rid of Facebook. Many people are angry at Facebook because of their data concerns, because because of Mark Zuckerberg's attitude and the way that he's behaved. Um, people are just very tired of it. And that's why they're going off to these offshoot applications. Now, will they stay off of Facebook? That's the question. I know many people who swore it off that eventually came back to it because of how familiar they are with the application. Right. Facebook Facebook is good about recognizing this. That's why they're doing their best to transition out of the social app and into a business app, an entertainment app. They're looking to do these other things. Uh, their next big push really is to turn their Facebook business pages into mini business sites. They want to be the the website developer uh, for businesses in the future. I don't think it's a good idea um, for a business. Obviously, for Facebook, it's probably an ad revenue generator. But for businesses, I definitely would not recommend it. Well, it's interesting. Um, the the company that I use to manage my website and help with certain content and things like that. Um, one of their creators, um, his name is actually Chris Smith. So good luck just Googling Chris Smith. <laughs> but he, he was part of a, a group and a book a couple years back called Conversion Code and things. So if you want to look him up. Anyways, one of the things that he said literally two, maybe three years ago was, you know, the internet, quote, so to speak, is kind of dead or email and websites are kind of dead. Like we have Facebook that you can search. So if you want to find something, you don't need Google. You know, you can go to Facebook, you can go and type in restaurants or you can type in um, burgers or something like that. Now, Google is better, right? As far as if I type in burgers near me, I start getting all the options from McDonald's to, you know, mom and pop chains. But to his point, and to your point, um, you know, that was kind of like, he, he was just kind of saying, hey, if you don't have money for a website, and you don't have money for your CRM, and you don't have money for things like that, then go ahead and invest in, you know, a Facebook business page, you know, or and, and because it's free, and you'll have some access. Now, you know, you still have to get that business page out there. And that's where you come in handy, right? <laughs> so... Well, so I mean, I, I don't necessarily agree with him that the internet was dead three years ago. Um, I think I think three years ago Google was in a very strong push. I mean, three years ago Google had sixty, still had sixty percent of the the searches. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, they had a majority of the searches, but they had, I believe, it was sixty percent 
zero click activity on its site, meaning that out of all of the searches they get, and I have to look up the number, I don't have the exact percentage, but I think it's somewhere to the effect of 80, 87% of search traffic goes through Google. Okay, which I mean is, is obviously a dominating number. They had, I believe, 60% of their activity was zero click activity, which for those who don't know means that somebody came to Google, did a search, found the information right on Google's page without clicking on any other website. Mm-hmm. Okay, so to your point, they came there, they searched for a hamburger near me, they clicked on the location to the hamburger place on Google without going to the client's website, without going to anywhere else, contacted the company, and that was the end of their experience. Um, that was Google, and that is Google's main focus right now. Uh, and that's dominating a lot of the traffic. Uh, to your point, Facebook business pages, I would even say, have taken a huge hit because what has Google done? Google has started doing free microsites on Google. So you can have a Google business site for free. It comes with your standard five or six pages that your information populates based on your Google business page. Okay. Um, So there is a lot of competition in that realm. I mean, but you also get the Wix and Squarespaces that are doing that. I mean, I think, I think Facebook is really struggling in the business world. Okay, because there are much stronger competitors who are known for their business aspects, like LinkedIn, like Google. Um, but that's why they're transitioning into more of a business atmosphere. And they just launched their stores for Instagram uh, and for Facebook. They're really trying to struggle to keep relevant in that area. Sure. So, all right, let's get back to... Um someone you know an average small a true small business not like the government's definition but a real small business yeah two five employees just you know getting things going and i come to you and i've got my uh, 500 dollar uh budget for the advertising you know not not budget for anything else but just for the advertising uh-huh. um, i don't have a preference um and i know it's probably going to be market related as far as what you're selling or what your business is but in general where do you think someone's best bang for their buck might be? Is it a Google ad? Is it a Facebook ad, an Instagram ad, you know, a LinkedIn ad? Um, you know, where, where would you kind of start to direct someone or how does that conversation go for, for people, you know, your, your clients? Yeah. So that, that is, I mean, it's a great question. Uh, that, that's, that's a wide open question. Um, the I'll tell you, I, I can't give you a specific answer, but I will tell you how the conversation would go. Because with any one of our meetings, it always starts with a conversation. Um, $500, $500 in advertising space, even for a small business, is not a lot of money. So I'll just, I'll just start off with that. Um, the first question would Can start off. Quick? Yeah. Okay. I agree it's not a lot of money. So... Um... So I know it's not a lot of money. Should I even do it? Now, again, I know probably if I'm trying to sell cars up against Ford and Toyota and GM, maybe not, right? But let's assume that it's something more normal, something like a business that we see around town. It's a retail shop. It's a restaurant. It's something like that, right? So let's make that assumption. Um, I only have $500 a month. And in fact, I haven't even put six or 12 months aside, right? So in six months, my budget could be gone and I might have to pull the plug on it. Should I even invest right now or should I do something else? So that's, I guess, you know, like maybe even the first question, right? Should I invest? Now let's assume if I, and then then we can assume if I do where you're going to go with your answer. Got you. Okay. So so I'll give you through kind of the, 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 the work cycle, the workflow of how we determine that answer. Okay. The first question is, what is your goals? Okay, are you looking at short-term goals or long-term goals? Short-term would indicate that you want an inorganic growth model, which means that you're looking to explode rather quickly, okay? And that's not really done naturally. That's something that requires an advertisement. If you're not looking for short-term, you're looking for a long-term growth, that's something we look at organic growth, which means that we would look at something other than advertisement. So that's the first step. Do we want advertisements or do we want something else like search engine optimization or social media management or something like that? Okay. Now you go into your short term. Okay. 
You have your short term. We are going to look at advertisements. We've decided that advertisements are your best. Okay. Do you have enough money for it? The first, the next question is, do you want to reach um, commercial businesses or residential customers? Okay. If you're looking for uh, commercial clients, then we look at specifically Google and LinkedIn. Those are the two primary goals. Okay. Facebook for commercial clients is not the best. So I probably wouldn't recommend it. Um, if you're looking for, for obviously, um, B2C clients, then you would go probably Facebook, Instagram, possibly Nextdoor, okay, and Google. Uh, Google is always going to be in the running no matter what category you're in, okay? Now, with every field, what we do is we do a CPC analysis, which is a cost-per-click analysis on the topics that you want to advertise. Okay, so let's get really specific. Okay, you have a company that sells apples. Okay, you want to sell it to consumers. So right now we know that you can possibly advertise on Google, Facebook, or uh, any of the other kind of personal apps like Nextdoor. Okay, but let's, for the sake of this, let's say specifically Facebook and Google. Okay, we, my, my phone keeps activating every time I say Google. <laughs> um, but we look at what the cost competition is per click for apples in your geographic region based on the demographics of people that you're trying to reach. Okay, so taking that $500 a month, okay, assuming that there's going to be an agency fee, we remove that from the $500, okay? Uh, that's to manage your account when you're advertising Twitter. We take that balance, okay? Uh, and just for the sake of simplicity, let's say it's it's $400, okay? Or let's just say the $500 amount is just purely advertisement money, okay? We take that, we divide it by 300 days or 300.4 days to be specific, okay? So now you get a number on a daily basis that you're advertising with that is in the realm of $12 a day, right? Okay? So now you have this $12 a day budget that you need to advertise on your particular platform. So we look at, well, for apples in Detroit, on an average day, the competitive click rate is $2 per click, which means that if six people click on your ad per day, that's gonna get the $12 mark, okay? And on a monthly basis, you're roughly gonna get about 180 clicks per month for that one keyword uh, for that service, right? So you're gonna get 100 clicks to your website. From that 180 clicks, you're gonna get maybe five customers from there. Those five customers are gonna profit you X amount of dollars. Is that X amount of dollars that you're gonna profit from that number of clients gonna exceed $500? So there's a lot of mathematical uh, kind of analysis that comes into play here. Well. We should, we should admit, if you're really running a business, there's a lot of mathematics involved. No, yeah. no calculus, right? Normally, it's the simple addition, subtraction, division, multiplication, maybe a couple of fractions. Because <laughs> it's all about numbers. I mean, oh, yeah. this is how your business is ran. It's, it's about, you know, where every penny is really going. And, you know, if you're a huge business... Um, you're making decisions and then tracking it through, you know, spreadsheets and budgets. And if you're a small business, you might be tracking it like on a, you know, piece of paper or a tablet, but you still should be tracking it. And if you're not, well, you probably weren't ready to start growing your business in the first place. <laughs> Absolutely. No. Well, I mean, that's the thing is, is what we found, what we found is the businesses that have the clearer, the clearest goals have achieved the best success. Okay. If you come in ready with your numbers, knowing what your customers are, who your customers are, excuse me, um, and knowing what your 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 um, your return on investment is for the acquisition of each client, okay, those people who have done that analysis are are much more likely to find success in the digital realm because they can gauge it better. I mean, the thing is, is that if you don't understand how much you're making off of each client specifically then you don't know how many clients you need to justify the cost of an advertisement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
and and I find that you know um, really tricky with with my business because um, you're you kind of you may advertise a certain price of sale or, or listing whatever you know in housing, but you're never really going to just get that person, right? So for example, um, I once used Zillow to advertise uh, myself and I was paying to be in uh, the 48198 zip code, which is an, Ips an Ypsilanti zip code. And um, the client, one client that we closed the first house we looked at was in Ypsilanti. The next house we looked at was 20 minutes away and we closed 45 minutes away from Ypsilanti. Um, and so the same would be true if I said, I want to find more, you know, sales in the $150,000 price range. You're still going to find $60,000 and $500,000. And it, it gets a little tricky trying to define um, how much it should take to to acquire a client, in my opinion. Now, I, I know that there would be other agents that would disagree with me, um, but it can be a little tricky because, okay, if on average you you get a three percent commission, um, so on that hundred and fifty thousand dollars, it's a forty five hundred dollar commission normally, and we won't factor in other costs that are involved with that, just the commission. Well, at that point. Couldn't you spend seven hundred dollars to get a client? I mean, forty-five minus seven hundred is still a pretty good return. You know, probably a better return than uh, most companies are doing. So, you know, it's really it it, it is a little tricky for me. Um, you know, specifically or my industry, I feel uh, to do that. But we still have a lot of metrics that we follow, and while cost of acquisition is kind of one of them we, we we look at it a little bit different but the numbers are so important for for any business including my own yeah well i mean so that's that's that that's the conundrum right so you have an application so you have a platform that that has relatively guaranteed uh lead generation right you know what i mean they're they're producing these leads for you and you're closing the lead so the the, the situation becomes well do i want to risk the gamble of not getting any leads and invest my own money on my own platforms and build my own self up. Okay. Or do I want to go with this guaranteed platform and make a little bit less money or a lot less money, depending on how much percentage they're taking from you. Um, the problem, the problem ultimately that happens though, and this is what I always warn people. And this goes back to our earlier conversation is that yet factor. What's going to happen in the future. Okay. Um, with the Zillow, for example, if they're taking 3% now, are they going to take 4% in the future? You know what I mean? Are they going to take more in the future? Now you built your whole entire company, your book around just getting leads from Zillow. And now they're taking 75% of your profits, okay, that you can't even make enough to survive. So then you have to start all over, okay? Right. Same thing with Google, same thing with Facebook. I tell people all the time, many people relied solely on Facebook pages, okay, early on for a lot of their advertisements. Yeah. Well, what happened? Facebook switched their algorithm to focus more on ad-driven client awareness. And now all of a sudden your organic awareness went down to maybe 15%, 10% of what it was. So if you have 10,000 people, okay, you're lucky to get 200 people or 400 people to see your post, especially if you have no engagement to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. So now you're building your whole company off of something that another company can control. So people just have to be aware about that. It's good to ride the wave while it's there, but don't put all your eggs in one basket and focus solely on that. Well, and, and maybe you have an idea you know, there should be a certain number of um, lead sources, right? So uh, whether, depending on your business, you know, you, it might be sphere of influence plus, um, you know, Facebook advertising, Google advertising, and some sort of like cold calls, you know, calling you about your car warranty that's expired or something, <laughs> you know, but I mean, that's a business, 
you know, so I guarantee you the person running that business has other ways that they try to reach people. And so, you know, much to your point here, if you have put all your eggs in that basket and it changes for some reason, um, you know, again, I, I can use Zillow as an example, you know, they are becoming their own real estate brokerage and that will change how they can even allow people to advertise on their site because there's permissions that have to be involved with uh, advertising a specific listing. So I can advertise homes in this city, but if I'm not your agent, I can't just advertise your home without your uh, agent's permission because it's your agents. You have a relationship with them. And if I'm advertising, suddenly I'm kind of working for you. So if I say, here's all the homes in the city for sale, it's okay. And if yours is highlighted, that's okay too. But if I say, here's a home for sale, that has to be my home or I have to admit that I'm advertising somebody else's listing and I have to have that person's permission. So with Zillow, that could change things. If I was advertising, if I was putting $10,000 a month into Zillow when I was closing 10, 15 transactions a month because of it, and I was, you know, a millionaire, that could all go away like that if that was where I put all my money. Do you have a number? Like how many how many revenue or income sources or lead sources, whatever you want to call it, do you maybe uh, think is best for just any any business, let alone, you know, specifics? Well, so so I want to... I there was something very similar to what you're saying that that's been going on on YouTube and on the social media channels. You'll notice, you'll notice many of the videos now say one thing specific sponsored video. It yep. has to be listed because the, the FTC, the FTC came out and said, I mean, they've had a rule, right? That you have to, you have to specifically clarify if it's an advertisement or if it's not an advertisement when you're airing the video. So many of these, many of these people were skating by that rule by, doing sponsored placements in their videos and not not disclosing it. So I think the FTC is kind of hammering down on that across the board. So you're going to see that probably in Zillow, just like you, like Facebook and YouTube and all these stuff. But I would, I, I tell all my clients, depending on what your budget is, I would focus on two to three solid revenue streams uh, or, or lead generation streams until you have proven success with them. Once you have proven success with two or three, then you can expand them to other streams. I mean, but a lot of it depends on, 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 again, the size of your company and how many people you have involved. So, I mean, going into specifics, so we'll look at a real estate agent, for example. Okay, having one inorganic stream and one organic stream. What I like to do with my clients is, I try to minimize the inorganic, which is the advertisements, mm -hmm. to the extent that they're not reliant on it. If it's something that's kind of like added butter, you know what I mean? It's it's helping them, but they're not dependent on it, then great. Um, I try to build up their organic sources. So their website, their SEO, their social media channels, their word of mouth referrals. These are the golden ticket areas, right? You want to do that because those can keep rolling without spending a whole lot of money on them, okay? Whereas the advertisements, once you stop paying the money, I mean, the exposure is gone. So if you're building up your organic areas and have inorganic kind of adding to that, then great. Um, so I would, always, I would always encourage doing them simultaneously in the beginning and try to wean yourself off the inorganic to the organic. For sure. And I think, I think it was you, but I definitely had this conversation with somebody that, you know, when I shared a, a moving company with a, a partner of mine, you know, we ran it, we started it completely with, um, you know, a, a WordPress webpage and Google ads and started getting clients right away. And as we were getting ready to sell that to somebody, we kind of had a cutoff date for when we were going to stop paying for anything, you know, advertising and stuff like that. And so that date came and the phone was still ringing like it had been ringing when we were paying for advertising and when we were literally paying for it, not like we had the budget, but, you know, we were paying Google $1,500 or whatever it was, right? And it was like, well, dang, 
maybe uh, maybe we could have cut this advertising off a long time ago because we we had a better website at this point. We had a some name recognition. We had done a couple thousand transaction moves, you know, whatever. Um, and so uh, the the organic part was probably happening without us even realizing it. And the downside to that, right, is that if I'm paying for advertising and you know my company is abc.com and then you Google abc.com and the ad comes up, you're likely to click on my ad even though you didn't need to. And then I just paid for something I didn't need to pay for. So, Well, yeah. So, I mean, you're making actually a great point. And that goes back to knowing your numbers, right? Yep. So knowing, knowing, knowing where these people are coming in from, knowing that that they're clicking on your ad or they're clicking on your Google business page. Because the problem is, right, is that somebody comes from Google, they're just going to say Google. They don't know whether it's an advertisement or whether it's your map listing or whether it's your organic listing. They're not going to know that. You know, usually these conversations happen in a split second. So having the proper mechanisms in place to track possibly either where that call came from, whether it was from an ad, whether it was from your business page, having different phone numbers available for where people call from so you know exactly where they're coming from. Okay, now this is a little bit more expensive and extravagant, but knowing where your people are coming from will help you minimize on those advertising costs. Because like you said, um, if you're spending 1500 on on ads, but 80% of people that are coming to you are coming from your Google business page and not from your advertisement, then how much of that was a waste that you didn't need to spend? Yeah. Well, and, and what I would think, you know, is possibly a strategy is as you've grown your business and you might be thinking about adding a new um, expense, maybe that expense could be someone who is track. If you don't know how to tracking these things a little bit better for you, because you know, we were always scared to pull the plug. Basically, you know, we felt like we were probably getting enough business, but it was like, what if we don't, you know, and then you got to not start over with advertising because it just fires right up and it's pay-per-click. But, you know, if you don't have customers for seven days in the moving business, um, you're hurting. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Um, so it was, it was always a, a, you know, trick, but if we would have been on top of the numbers, not just had an idea, you know, we always had an idea, but if you would have really been diving into those things, you know, then you would have it. And so again, as you grow your business, rather than taking a bigger vacation or investing in a new thing, you know, the new thing could be and should be someone who understands how to extrapolate the data for you so that you are making better decisions. Well, I mean, if you have a marketing company, if you're working with any kind of marketing company or whatever, they should be doing that for you. That should be part of the agreement, you know what I mean? Um, because it is the marketing company's job to really analyze the success of whatever strategy you're taking and to formulate either either alterations or additions that need to happen so that it is more successful. And if they're not doing that, then really replace them with somebody else who is. Um, because... You know, that's where the benefit of a company does. Most of the stuff that, that a marketing company can do can be done by the individual. But the question comes in is what is the quality of that person doing it themselves or a marketing company doing it for them? And if they're not doing what they're supposed to, then they might as well do it themselves. It's the same quality either way, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, that, like you said, a good marketing company would do those things um, my past experience was that those, there was, there were still tiers involved with the cost, right? Like I could do the thousand dollar, the $2,000, the $3,000 package. And the thousand dollars said, we would tell you if it came from Google or Facebook or whatever. And the $2,000 would show you the keywords that they used when it came from Google and the key use, you know, like something like that, you know, very basic example. And so I guess that was my point. And maybe, maybe that's not the case anymore because it's easier to track those things or, you know, companies such as yourself, maybe just do a better job um, than the companies that were out there, you know, that I was searching out seven years ago. Um, well, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a much different world than, than, than the tech uh, scene seven years ago. Uh, I think I think right now, I mean, keep in mind, 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, much, much more things had to be done manually. You know what I mean? You didn't really have the APIs and the integrations that you do now. Uh, that was kind of one of the things that, that awoke in the, in the tech industry 
was that integrations and APIs with the information so that you can extrapolate it and use it to your own needs uh, became very vital regardless of the platform that you're on. So more, more software agencies came up and started to do these models where it helps to understand the data rather than just rely on you or me doing it ourselves. So there are some benefits to that. I mean, it's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> sure. Yeah. That's, and, that's, and that's really the, the, one of the things that I like when I'm talking to somebody like yourself. Um, and the reason I like to have you on, you know, probably quarterly if we can do it. Because, you know, there's so much stuff that can be said. And I think that it's important for anybody who's, you know, watching, listening, whatever, um, if they're reaching out to you or they're reaching out to anybody, that they understand that this conversation is not a one-time conversation. Um, there's not just one simple answer. I mean, even if I said, I thumb YouTube, that's where I want to be, everything, there's still so much around that, right? How do you want to be on YouTube? Are you looking for subscribers? Are you looking for, you know, people to click on content? You know, there's so much stuff, right? And um, I think that's the really important thing for anybody to really take away is, we we kind of have honed in and also been all over the place um, with things, but it's because that's just the way things go. And you are an expert in most of you know these areas, and so it's up to the person who is managing their their account to have those discussions with you and find out what's really going to be best for their business. Because even if we're all in the same business, we have something different to sell. You know, someone who's in the t-shirt business sells t-shirts, but somebody sells them supplies to make the t-shirts. So those are two different products and two different avenues and two different, you know, advertisements, right? So um, it, it can really go really, really deep and uh, much more than we could do here, especially with hypothetical situations. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, you and I are the same in the regards where the relationship is the most important asset that we can have, right? Um, I, I always caution, I always caution my clients, and I don't even like to, to take it on myself, is where you become this faceless agency, where mm -hmm. you have a bunch of clients who you really don't know who they are going through some low-level worker that you don't have communication with. I mean, the greatest asset that we provide to our clients at my company is that they build a relationship with me first, okay? I understand what they're looking to do. They're not working through my employees to me. They're working through me to my employees to make sure that they receive the best quality they can. If the person you're working with doesn't understand what your needs and goals are, they're not gonna help you to achieve it. It's similar to a personal trainer. We're here to build you up. Um, so working with some faceless online company in some other part of the country or some other part of the world, I don't think is the best strategy for most businesses. Um, so we really take the time to know who we're talking to because at the end of the day, the better I know you, the better I can help you. Personal trainer was probably a, a great example because if you look at anybody who's successful, they have various coaches or trainers or mentors, uh, all the above, right? And the more successful they are, it seems like the more that they have. And I don't think it's just because, I know it's not just because they had more money, so more people glommed on. You know, like him or hate him, Michael Jordan was one of the best basketball players. And he had a nutrition coach. He had someone to help him with his shots. He had someone to help him with his meditations, you know, and then he had a couple of go-tos that he would talk to about these other people, you know, and, and some of these, so that some of these people were friends and some of them were payroll. And he's just an example, whether you want to use him, you want to use another basketball player or sports athlete, or, you know, even successful real estate folks, you know, I mean, everybody has these people and personal trainers. If you've ever hired one, I guarantee, even if you used to go to the gym five days a week and ran outside six days a week, you hired a trainer, I guarantee a change happened, whether it was inches on the biceps or inches off the waist or whatever it was, because you got more focused and you had specific plans besides just kind of, you know, I know a lot about a lot, but I don't, I'm not an expert in many things outside of real estate, you know? And so uh, I would come to somebody for that. And you are, I think, the, like you say, the personal trainer, that was like, I couldn't, uh, it was a home run, you know, reference, man, because that's exactly right. We come to you with what our problem is, what we're trying to solve, and you figure it all out and put together the plan. 
Well, I mean, the thing is, is that most business owners, okay, and most professionals, whether you like to admit it or not, we're all in a fog, okay? And the fog is of our own responsibilities. We have this air around us where we're focused here. But the problem is, is that what's going on here, we don't always know. And when you have somebody outside of yourself guiding you or assisting you, it doesn't even have to be a leadership position. It could be a, a codependent position, but they can see that stuff that you can't. And when they suggest it or they see it, they can help you to fix it where you're just focused here. They can be looking everywhere else. I, I couldn't say it anywhere other, anyway, but <laughs> it's absolutely right. So uh, you have on your Adidas. I'm gonna I'm gonna change and hit you with a off. You know what the heck is he talking about? Why are we even asking this? You know Adidas. I'm assuming you know you'd say Run DMC over NWA. But you and I have had this debate before. Biggie or Tupac? Who's the Who's the man? <laughs> yeah, you know, man. Listen, man. I, I I love Tupac, and to this day, I was I was actually just karaokeing Tupac last night. Okay, so I'm 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 huge Tupac, but some Part of me goes back to that kid where it was the East Coast versus West Coast, and we're the East Coast, so I got to rep Biggie. <laughs> I'm going to leave it alone. Most people know where I stand. Haitham, <laughs> uh, I really appreciate it, man. I'm glad that after like four attempts, we were able to get this together. And Absolutely. it's early in 2021, so I know we'll have another one sometime later in 2021. Anybody that can and wants and needs to reach out to you, what's their what's your best way to do so? They can they can really uh, they can call me on my my phone or they can go to my website. So my phone is two four eight four seven seven five nine nine four, or my website is pickbold.com. P i c k b o l d dot com. They can reach me either way. Awesome man, I appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your day. And uh, we talked before you you had a, a few headaches. I hope those stay away. And um, hey, man, have a great 2021. You as well, brother. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Thanks, right. Joe. Have a good one. Right. We'll see you.